Hi, I'm John Timmerman, and Jason Lee Scott is the most powerful Power Ranger ever, hands down. I'm Rob Shogger. I am serious. Where are you looking? Don't call me Shirley. Where are you looking? I'm looking. <laughs> Let's do that one again. And I'm Al Kutri, and I was once hit by a school bus. And we are the founders of the No Bull Company. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Today's episode is brought to you by Uncle Clen's Instant Rice. On-the-run rice packets that can't be beat. We bring a whole new meaning to on-the-run. What's up, Buzz Nation? Welcome to I'm a Little Buzz, the show where we bring a ridiculous amount of life to business, all while sharing a glass of whatever makes you happy and gets you buzzed. Fellas, what's getting you buzzed right now? I'm super excited about this new line of hand sanitizers that has different scents. Hey. Because I'm sick and tired of smelling like I drank the whole bottle of bourbon. But you did drink the whole bottle of bourbon. Don't judge me, John. <laughs> Speaking of that, we... <laughs> I re- <laughs> That's what gets me buzzed. You got enough there? Are you good? <laughs> enough for my entire body. Here's... Okay, weird. Like, I agree with you. I've had a few... We go to Racket Lake every oh. every weekend. But I've had a good few. good for the mosquitoes, though. I've... Mm-hmm. I'm, no. Not the mosquitoes up there, apparently. No. <laughs> but there's a few up there that have smelled really, really great. And I'm on the fence because, like, you put it on, and it, you know how it has, like, this little film? Some of them have, like, this little, like, like something greasy? to it. Yeah. I feel like the flavors... Flavors. <laughs> if, you, if you're drinking it. That yeah. is. The scents add a little bit of that, and where it's not, like, that, like... Clean. Burned all the stuff off your hand clean. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm on the fence. I agree with you 50%, but 50% of me is like, I need that alcohol smell. We're like, like, you know that all germs are dead. Gone. Right. Vaporized, incinerated off of my hands. Pulverized. Yes, pulverized, all the eyesed. I am no longer buzzed about this one. Why? Because I think I went a little too heavy on it. Oh, just now? Just, just now? Just because you used a half a gallon. Well, Here, and now, let's so, see what we now, think of. Uh, now, I don't know what it's called. A1 Naturals. Scent free. Oof. It's bullshit. It's breathe not it in scent right free. after you rub it in and breathe it's it right away. It's got a freaking scent. Immediately. <laughs> wow. It's like smelling a freaking maker's mark. Look it. As long if as it I, does the job. If I had COVID, I think it just burned it out just now. Dude, I don't know. Which I don't. I tested Dude, it. Your eyes are, are watering. Whew. All right. I don't like it. Well, we know what gets Rob buzzed now. Um, wow. That right. just got so me buzzed. That, that just got me buzzed. It's damn close. Al, what, what's getting you buzzed right now? Well, it was Not that. Eating. It Not was that. All day. Yeah, Get I didn't buzzed. eat all day. Again. And I'm in fasting mode again. And it's not intentional. It's an unintentional but fasting? I'm going to need a, a granola bar soon. It's still there. Yeah, we have them. Uh, we could get you some perfect granola. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. We'll ask Michelle if she yeah. can hook us up. With That's why granola. I didn't so quite hit the wine yet. Yeah, I'm not going to pass out. I'm going to be just fine. <laughs> but listen, all we have to do is waft this under his nose. Yeah. Jump up out like of a dead sleep. Yes. Yes. I feel good. Uh, what's getting me buzzed right now? Just the weather. Like, it's hot. It's very hot in our studio right now. Um, but just the nice weather. I am actually buzzed about the fact that the weather people have been consistently wrong about raining oh. for like this entire month, this, this four week span. Well, there's been, been so many pop ups. Like, you drive a mile down the road and it could be a downpour right now. Like, what do you mean it rained last night? I've been missing all those pop-ups then. Yeah, yeah, me too. I don't know. But that's... So I'm buzzed about that. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm buzzed about? There's another fourth oh, thing. Oh, you got two? You got I two. got one more. 
that 4th of July is over. What? Yeah, and here's why. Uh-oh. Because, no, Careful. because Bring my, it back. Bring my, it back. Yeah, my neighbors. <laughs> my neighbors. Two weeks straight of fireworks? What seems to be, they must know how to make fireworks from scratch because they have an endless supply of fireworks that they let off in the middle of the night always. And I'm like, all right, I see what I see. what's happening here. Like, 4th of July is coming. But, like, now 4th of July is over. Yeah. I shouldn't hear any more fireworks. Mm-hmm. It's over. You, Until next. You're you're like a, like a, a 71-year-old in yeah. a, how old are you? 35-year-old 35 35 body. body. Yeah. Yep. Like Crotchety old body. miserable <laughs> bastard. Yep. Rea- <laughs> like, reality is 35-year-old body. Yeah, like, 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 like physiology, like 55, 52, 56. Yeah, oh, okay. like AARP yeah. body. Yeah, and mental is like 71. Mental is 71. Archie just terrible on my porch like ah, are you on your rocking chair in your porch with like a broom handle going bam 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 yeah your walker i just yeah i'm just like i just bitch quietly in my house but i'm I'm also not the guy that's like i'm not gonna call the cops i'm not gonna file a complaint i'm not gonna do that but i'm gonna bitch to you guys about it Mm. i hope that your neighbors are not watching the show they definitely are okay (laughs) (laughs) i I assure you they're not they think i make porn they're not gonna watch it (laughs) They see the purple light and they're like, I'm not watching him in a porn ever. Nope. We've seen him outside go to get his mail. Yeah. Yeah. No, no I need to see Nobody that again. wins there. Uh, fail. Today's show, we have the buzzworthy, amazing human being, Michelle Little. Michelle is the founder and CEO of Perfect Granola, a granola and granola bar company based in upstate New York that exploded into the market in 2016. Due to its success with retail such as Wegmans, Walmart, Kroger, ShopRite, and others, she started the company on the foundation of giving back and sharing profits with homeless shelters, outreach shelters, um, uh, outreach centers, and food banks. But that's just one of the very many ways the company gives back. They really do give back in so many different ways, as you guys will hear in today's interview. Their mission is simple, but challenging. Great food for a greater good and strive to create ways to bring regions out of poverty to end the cycle of hunger. Buzz Nation, please welcome Michelle Little. Hey, Michelle. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, before we get into the the core of the show and business talk, uh, we have a nice little segment called the pregame. Al, tell us what the pregame is. The pregame is a no-filter, Free association game, pregame, and I'm a little buzzed sometimes when we do it, so if I slur or I, you know, don't say it right away, just bear with me. I ask a question, first thing comes out of your mouth, that's that's the answer. No thinking, yeah. ready? Regular yeah. fries, curly flies, you see what just happened? Curly fries <laughs> or waffle fries? Waffle. Favorite magazine? Men's Health. Ah! First thing you do when you wake up? Take the dog out. Camping or beaches? Beaches. Oh, same. Uh, how do you take your eggs? Over easy. Fill in the blank. 2020 is? COVID. Ketchup or mustard? Ketchup. Last purchase you made? Dog collar. Greatest advice you've ever received? Fail fast. Worst advice you've ever received? Fast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, again. <laughs> Uh, favorite color, favorite color, and why? Favorite color, ooh, purple, because it is calming. Lovely, and I love the purple wall. Favorite golden girl? 
Betty White. That's it. Boom. Boom. Awesome. Okay. Easy. Well, Michelle, now is the time, or Buzz Nation, now is the time when we cheers to our guest and something ridiculous. So cheers to you, Michelle. Uh, to life, love, lots of laughs, laughter, and cookie crisp cereal, which was actually just chocolate chip cookies and milk, but for breakfast, huge win. Score. <laughs> Cheers. Was a huge win. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Michelle. <laughs> mm. Okay, Michelle, we have lots of questions. Uh, we want to learn so much more about the perfect granola, its history, its your startup story, your juggling life with all of that, uh, and your ability to inject a mission into your business. But before we do that, can you give our audience, can you give Buzz Nation an overview of what the Perfect Granola is? Sure. So um, obviously Perfect Granola, we are a granola and granola bar manufacturer, but I don't consider myself a granola company. We are a mission-based company, uh, which means everything that we do from every angle has to be mission first. Um, if it's not, the answer is a no. So uh, we make sure that we share profits with homeless shelters, outreach centers, and food banks. We hire at-risk youth with a partnership with Hillside Work Scholarship Connection. We manufacture our single-serve allergy-free line at a Feeding America food bank so we can expand their workforce development training program and offer sustainable revenue for the organization. And we make huge donations to food shelters and outreach centers throughout the U.S. Love it. Fantastic. So... The startup story is always something that's attractive to people watching and people listening who are in business, whether you're an employee at a company or you're a startup founder yourself. Uh, super, super interesting to us. So can you talk about that? What were you doing before the idea came to you? And then what did that transition of like, this was an idea that's actually going to happen? What did that look like for you? Sure. So um, products that had a lot of allergens in them and they weren't ultimately super healthy. So while I was volunteering there, I just thought, hey, if I want to be able to support people who are homeless, I need to come up with a way that's not monetary because I didn't have a lot of extra money. Um, we were a young family at the time with two young girls. Um, so I just decided at that time I would start a side hustle, um, start a granola and granola bar company, and then just give everything away. Everything that I made, it, we just go right back out the door. All the profits, anything that came in would just go back out. And then I slowly found out that this could actually be a company and a product that people would want to buy. And then I also realized if I give everything away, I'm not going to stay in business very long. <laughs> so I scaled back the donations slightly just so we could actually continue the company running. Um, and we kind of kept that same model. Uh, we keep only as much as we need to keep the company sustained. And then everything else goes back out the door. Um, and, and, you know, currently now we launched uh, in June of 2016. So we've been out in the market uh, just about four years now. And we're one of the fastest growing granola bar companies in the Northeast. We sell across 48 states and we supply hundreds of food banks and outreach centers products. And um, we also give monetary donations to homeless shelters and different outreach programs. Wow. It's incredible. Was this you, you know, it's always just the founder at first, right? So give us your hindsight tips on how you juggled starting a business, uh, developing the product, but also learn, like, balancing giving back. You know, what, what, in hindsight, what would you do differently and what did you do to try to juggle all those different things? Because it's not just one business. Now you're basically 
a business with a little bit of a nonprofit, you know, while starting this whole thing up? Yeah, one thing that I always made sure of and that we continue to do is that it's mission first. Absolutely every decision that gets made within the company has to have a mission-based component to it. Um, so we're it's really simple as far as our business is concerned to you know, kind of make decisions because if it's not gonna help people ultimately or support our mission to support homeless shelters or people living in poverty, then it's a simple answer, it's no. You know, we have to make sure that our mission is always first and foremost. But in the beginning, it was super difficult. Um, I continued to work full time for the first year and a half of running this company, ended up picking up a part time job so I could continue to put food on the table for my kids. Um, at the time, my kids were one and five. So they were definitely very needy and hands on at that time. Um, so it was just, it, it was really, really difficult to juggle everything. And then finally last year, 2019, I hired my first employee. Um, it was January of 2019. So for the first couple of years, it was just me um, doing all the day to day, even doing some of the deliveries. Um, but one of the things that I would really recommend to people, and I didn't listen to it at all. I totally maybe should have, but that's not the way I work is um, don't grow too fast. Um, when we got our account with Wegmans, we chose a very large distributor. And I always say we, even though it was just me in the beginning, because I don't view this as my company. I view it as our company. I'm growing it for the community, not for myself. I still don't take a paycheck. Um, but, you know, I, I picked a really large distributor. And to them, I was a nobody. And we still are. We're a super micro company. I mean, we have good distribution, but in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're a small company. Um, so I, I chose a really large distributor thinking that I could grow super fast with them. And I almost put myself out of business because we were growing too fast and I did not have the cash flow in place to continue to take orders and turn inventory and buy the packaging that I needed and figure out the logistics behind it because I wasn't in the food industry prior to this. I was selling industrial electric motors for a motor manufacturer, but it was outside of this industry and it was something that was very different. Um, so I really, I've, I've been learning everything as I go. Um, and that's why before, you know, I, I heard a great piece of advice, fail fast, because the more time you spend on your failures, trying to make the failure right, the more money and time you're losing. So, you know, if, if you know it's not working, jump ship as fast as you can, stop the bleeding and move on and try to pivot to something that's going to be a little bit easier and a little bit more successful for your company. Nice. Great advice. Yeah. I think, you know, I heard, uh, Bezos, Jeff Bezos, say this the other day. I was watching a, an interview, and he was saying, you know, there's a calling, there's a career, and there's a job. And really, you know, when you have a calling, right, that's the only thing that can, one of the only things that can get you through the discomfort of the multiple, multiple failures and obstacles that come. Because if, if it's not that kind of a passion or that kind of a calling, you'll quit. Anybody would quit. Any normal human would be like, screw this. This is not, this is impossible. Yep. yep. So that's a real testament to the mission, the calling, and like, you know, anybody that's in that position. Oh yeah. The thought has crossed my mind oh, almost gosh. daily. It's like, yeah. why am I doing this? Like, but then every time we're able to make a donation or hire another person or support another student with our student program, you know, then it, everything just, it comes full circle and it makes it all worth it. So there, there's no quitting in sight. You know, that's definitely not what we're in, in store for. So, um, so, uh, you know, we just kind of continue on every day. Amen. 
And Michelle, so and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but were you were you handling all this as, as a single mom? Or were you married? I am now a single mom. I'm going through a divorce right now, actually, um, which is one of the happiest times in my life. <laughs> um, okay. But, um, Congratulations. You know, Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, but I mean, ultimately, you know, it, it, it was definitely, you know, it, you know, just kind of me building this company in the beginning and making the choices and the decisions that we needed to make to move forward. Well, I asked because I think that 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 resonates and is going to resonate with a lot of people listening. That's like, oh, my gosh, I could never do this. Well, bull, like okay. here's a lady here basically doing everything on her own raising two two little girls working a full full-time job working a part-time job starting a company i mean those are the things that inspire people today that like holy crap like how, how on earth did she do that and that's so you, so you know i always tell people you can do whatever you right. actually want to i mean right. you find the time to do things that you want yep. you know i was a trainer at a gym for a few years and people are like oh i don't have the time I'm like you, you can you have the time yeah. if you want it yeah, you know, it's got the same 24 hours. I, started, I picked up a part-time job as a cycling instructor because yeah. I found that I was having less time working full-time and building this company and with the kids, and but I still wanted to work out. So yeah. I picked up a part-time job as a cycling instructor to continue doing that, that daily activity. Fantastic. Were, were you giving back right from the get-go? Like Absolutely. 100%. So, the first batches that we made, I yep. didn't even sell. We just gave them away. And then, what about from a uh, um, from a, a monetary standpoint, or from a a, a hiring standpoint? Because I know we'll we'll probably get into that, and you can talk about that a little bit more. But were you also giving back in those capacities right from the get go? Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Every every aspect, monetary and our food, was going right out the door in the beginning. Um, and now we we do the same thing. I mean, we've got 6,000 pounds of granola going out the door tomorrow to support um, Free Store Food Bank in Ohio and uh, Feeding America Food Bank in North Carolina. Uh, what did you say Bezos said? Calling? There's a calling, a career, career. and a job. And a job, and he's right? Like, you know, a job is a job. If you get a career, he's like, many people don't even get that. They, they get the job and then they stay there. Right. There's a, the, you know, getting a career that's still a minority position in terms of like, so most people don't even get to the career piece. Yeah. And getting to that top tier of a calling that if you found that, he said, that's, that's magic. Like right. that's, if you can right. get to your calling, that's the magic. Do you feel, so I take, I take this from, and this is a question for, I guess, for all of us here, but Gary Vaynerchuk says that he feels that entrepreneurs are, are born. They're not created. Right. So I'll start with you, Michelle. Do you feel like you were always meant to to find your purpose and, and run with it no matter what? Was there something that happened? And stemming off of that, why was it mission-based and not money-based or building the biggest building in the city-based? You know, do you have a feeling as to where that came from? I do. I mean, I, I truly believe everybody was put on this earth for a reason. And I think that my whole past, even though I was selling motors, um, I think that entire pathway in my professional career led me to this. Um, and this is truly what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, 100%. I mean, that's, it is my deal. And I think if you're lucky enough to find something like I have, you're not working. I mean, I don't ever feel like I'm working. I feel like I'm doing what I want to be doing. And it, 
it's it's a good feeling. It yeah. really is. And I, I've never really been one that likes authority and likes being told what to do. <laughs> no, I, I always had a problem with that. I, <laughs> I never really did well in school. I could never follow directions. I could never show up on time. I was kind of always going to the beat of my own sound. Um, so now I'm, I'm able to, and I'm able to be as flexible as I can and, and want to be. And still enjoy the things that I love doing, um, but still find time to run this company successfully and grow it. I love it. Uh, actually, that brings up a really good, you know, we're in the middle of summer here and summer in upstate New York, you have nice weather. Thankfully, we've had some great weather. It's super hot today and we're all dying here off of this little AC, but um, but you just mentioned finding times to do the things you love with growing what you want. Are you the type of person, we asked this actually in an episode earlier, it was like one of the rapid fire questions where it was oh. like, um, work, 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 play, or yeah. work, play, work, play, work, play. It was the iconic, the, the founders of Iconic. They're a big yeah. art company. Um, and it was just that. Are you, are you the work, 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 play, play type person? <laughs> or are you work, play, work, play, work, play, work, play, work, play forever? I do it all. So on Thursday last week, I had a couple of hours without the girls. They were over at their father's house. I took my kayak out on Canandaigua Lake, awesome. kayaked out to the middle, and then pulled my phone out and did some emails. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, so I, That's... You know, it's a little bit of everything. And then I was texting a couple of our customers saying, hey, what can I help you with over the weekend? What do you need? I'm sitting here on the lake with a beer in hand on my kayak and, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about you. So um, it's definitely, you know, I don't feel like I'm ever working. I, yeah. I absolutely Amen love it. That. You know, even when I'm at my warehouse and I'm hauling pallets and and getting shipments out and stuff, you know, I kind of consider that as part of my workout for the day and blare some music. And, you know, it's it's really about that balance. Um, so even when I am working and, and maybe somebody would say, oh, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and you're in, you know doing emails in your office. Well, I'm doing emails with a glass of wine and I've got music going and it's fine, you know, or I take my computer out on the deck and yep. enjoy the sunset while I'm working on stuff, you know, so I don't ever really feel like I'm working. When you but I'm definitely one to play hard. I love kayaking and biking and running. And, you know, now we've got a, a little puppy that we go hiking with. So, um, you know, definitely play first. <laughs> but, you know, right. there's always time for work. <laughs> well, your testament to the fact that you can grow something while still enjoying life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like uh, maybe for the past decade or so, there's been this hustle culture, right? They call it hustle porn, where like you're, you know, social media is all about work, 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 work. Right. right? All these sacrifices. Don't do this. Don't yep. do that. You know, 14 hours a day. Your, that's not true. And I, I. Or sustainable. <laughs> I, or sustainable, right? I bit that bug early on in my career, entrepreneurship career, where I thought if I was taking time off, I literally felt guilty. Mm -hmm. I literally felt bad and I felt worse than when I was working. So I'm like, oh man, I, I must just be a workaholic. But then after I matured a little bit in my entrepreneurship career where I settled into where you are, Michelle, which is, listen, I can take time off. And number one, that's going to recharge me to be even better when I do go back. Number two, what's the point of working so hard if you can't go enjoy to play, yeah. the, or you know smell the roses, so to speak? Now I have a family, so now that's even exponentially, uh, you know, the case. But did you kind of start that way? I get the sense, I should say, that you started like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do, and I'm going to grow this thing, and I'm still going to kayak, and I'm still going to do that. Or did you start out saying, like, actually, no, John, that's not I need to that. work 
all the time and then you sort of settled into it like I did. Now, listen, the first year and a half, I told you, I worked full-time, a part-time job and built this company. So the first year and a half, it was work, work, work all day, every single day. No Weekends play. were filled with trying to catch up on things that I couldn't do over the week um, because I would work my normal job until five or six o'clock at night have dinner for the girls, bedtime, you know, baths and everything, get them in bed and then go back into my office to run this company and start building it. Mm. And there's still times to this day where we're, we're signing on a new distributor right now that's going to help us out with our Walmart account. Um, you know, there's, there's things that need to get done. You've got to fill out your vendor paperwork and make sure that you're synced up with their EDI system and stuff. So there's certainly times when you have to focus and, and get shit done. But, um, you know, it, it is nice now having the flexibility, but that first year and a half were, was really, really tough. But I knew that I couldn't just quit my job. I still needed to provide for my family and put food on the table, pay our mortgage, my car payments, you know, all of those things still needed to happen. And I needed to fund this company because let's face it, women entrepreneurs, we get 2.8% of VC funding. Yep. We're not funded. You know, nobody gives a shit about granola, especially not a mission-based granola mm -hmm. company. We're not, you know, we haven't been lucky enough to find the right investor that, um, aside from, you know, some of the other things and the competitions that we've won, but, um, you know, we're not venture backed, especially not in the beginning when we were not proven. Um, so, you know, it, it was work all the time so I could consistently fund the, the company's growth mm -hmm. as well. I think everybody would probably love to know how does one land an account with Wegmans and Walmart within four years? Cold calls. So I am a huge proponent. So everyone calls me the anti-millennial um, because I hate technology. I don't understand why people buy things online. And I like to pick up the phone and call people. And I always have a pencil in my hair when I'm working and a pad of paper. Mm. So uh, if I can't find a pencil, there's usually a crayon somewhere that I can <laughs> write notes on. Um, so you pick up the phone and you send sample boxes out and I don't know who to call, but I Google, you know, I Google whatever corporate number I can find. And I ask, you know, who's in charge of the purchasing for granola and granola bars. And most of the time you get hung up on, but sometimes they'll direct you to somebody or you just send a sample box. Um, Wegmans was super helpful because Wegmans is just amazing. They're a local company too. They support local entrepreneurship um, because we're mission-based and Wegmans does so much with Foodlink and the shelters and stuff around here. Um, you know, they were apt to open up a meeting for me. So I was able to sit down with the buyer and he was absolutely fantastic um, and put us in all the stores right away. And then um, Walmart, we went down as part of open call um, so I applied for open call in 2018. We were accepted. And then when I had a meeting with the buyer, he said yes, right on spot and gave us a thousand stores that day. But then when he was actually setting his planogram, he decided to bump that up to 2000 stores. Wow. Um, and now we've been consistently growing with Walmart as well. Um, Kroger, we went down with the diversity summit um, because obviously I'm a woman and mm -hmm. I have a women-owned business. So um, went down for the diversity summit, won that, um, and won an account with Kroger. They started us with a thousand stores. Um, you know, so we've been really lucky to you know be accepted into some of these programs. And then last year we were a Stacy's Rise finalist. So now we're working with PepsiCo and Frito Lay, and right. we won Grow New York as well. Um, so that was very helpful with a little bit of funding, mentorship, um, you know, to kind of fuel some of our growth. Do you feel that the uh, the give back component of what you're doing 
makes a big difference when you're approaching these stores like that? I think it does. You know, I, I think it would make anybody feel good. Yeah. You know, just, you know, if you're buying a product and you know that that company is supporting something that you're passionate about, yep. you know, and why wouldn't you want to support them? You it's know, especially knowing rare. that, you know, we can truly show what we're actually doing. You know, some charities and stuff, you know, they you know, kind of hide behind closed doors, but we don't, you know, we share everything that we're doing. We make sure that that is always first and foremost. Can you share with, with us the, um, the story with your students and like hiring the students and having them go to work and all how that works as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, it, it became apparent after I started this company, um, my kids, like I said, they were one in five. So my five-year-old was just starting to enter um, kindergarten and the school systems. So I started thinking and seeing graduation rates. And here in the upstate New York area, and especially Rochester, at that time, our graduation rates were 52% for our kids in Rochester. Buffalo is around that same number. Syracuse is a little bit higher. I think they were around like 62%. But, you know, overall, you know, we've got half of our kids pretty much are not graduating high school and they're already living below the poverty line. So I was starting to think, like, how do we fix poverty and hunger? Right. Like if you are living in poverty, you don't have enough money for healthy food. So you land on the food pantries and, you know, you rely on nutrition programs at schools. So I started to think, like, how can I get to these kids that are probably not going to graduate and give them a chance, teach them things that they are not learning in school. So we partnered with Hillside Work Scholarship Connection in 2018, and we started hiring students to do our demos um, because we also knew from experience with working with Wegmans for a couple of years that we had a really high retention rate for the customers that were purchasing our products. They were becoming loyal to our brand. So all we needed to do was drive trial. And a really good way to do that at the supermarket is to do demos and have sampling events. And I thought instead of me doing it or hiring an events group, let's hire students because now we are teaching the students hygiene, responsibility. They built their own schedules because I was very strict on them. If they did not show up for school and they were not passing all of their grades, even gym, they were not allowed to come to work with me. I made sure that school was number one and I checked their grades and I made sure that I also went to their football games and their basketball games and supported them on an emotional level because I wanted to make sure that they were still putting school and sports first before their job. If they were meeting all of their needs there, they were given the opportunity to work with us because that's how I view it. It's not a job. This is an opportunity because I am teaching you customer service, sales. We set them up with banking programs. They go into a bank. They learn overdraft protection and savings and how to get direct deposit with their paychecks because these are skills that they're not learning in school. And if they don't graduate, I wanna make sure that they're set up for success. If they land a job with me and they stay with me for the rest of their career doing demos, that's not good enough. I want them to fail with me, learn life lessons, and then leave me behind and go and find something better. Um, So we had some really good success in the Syracuse and Rochester area with that program. Unfortunately, now due to the pandemic, they're not doing sampling events in uh, grocery stores. So Mm -hmm. hopefully when they bring that back, we're going to be able to bring our students back um, because the only jobs that we have right now are full-time jobs and that's not good enough. They need to be focusing on school and not really work at this point in their lives because we hire them anywhere between 16 and 18 years old before they are finished with high school. And how many students uh, were you hiring 
pre-COVID, like on a monthly basis? Yeah, we had four in the Syracuse area that we started with. And we started with just one in the Rochester area um, because he was fantastic. He had a lot of open hours on the weekends. He was always punctual and showing up on time. Um, and he, you know, he's actually gone on and, and now he graduated high school this past year. Um, so he's going to be going on to college and playing football. That's awesome. How do yeah. you have all the emotional capacity for all of this? Like we're getting into the life part portion. The show is built on life and business, right? We get, we bring a little life to business. So, uh, you know, I want to pivot to that because all these business podcasts and articles and us, we talk about the business, the tactics, startups, you know, all this kind of stuff, but <clears throat> you hear less about the, you know, the side, you know, that we've Emotional talked about side. in the past, like depression and, and anxiety and, and dealing with all of this and parenting while you're a founder, like all of this stuff is, it kind of slides under the radar a little bit. So, you know, can you share at all just your emotional journey to dealing with all of this um, as a parent or just as a person? It's, um, it's super overwhelming. Everybody that really truly knows me knows I cry all the time, uh, like daily, <laughs> um, for various reasons. You know, sometimes I'm just happy. Sometimes yeah. I don't even know why I'm crying. Right. And I wish it was because I was sad or something. Um, but no, it's very overwhelming, you know, especially because we're mission-based. I feel emotionally connected to our employees and our students. Um, you know, I just want to, you know, some of our students that we were hiring, I just wanted to hug and bring home with me and, and give them a better life. You know, these are, are kids that, you know, had tough home lives and, and not a lot of support. Um, so it really, really is overwhelming. As far as on the business side of things, I think one thing that people don't really talk about a lot is the loneliness of running a company. 100%. Not a lot of people truly understand the amount of stress and anxiety and you know that that feeling when you're waking up at 2 a.m to throw up because you just there's so much pressure and you know it it was a lot of pressure in the beginning but then once we started hiring people i've got um you know five full-time employees now which is still super small but for for us it's a lot you know only being in business for a few years but um you know to know that now their livelihood relies on me and our company and the success of this company um you know they they rely on their paychecks and their health benefits and you know they're looking towards me for their future um, you know, in having those hard talks, you know, another thing too, is I'm always very upfront and honest when I'm going to bring somebody onto this team and hire them and say, Hey, you got to know we're a startup. This could go either way. Pretty sure it's going to work. You know, I've invested my entire life savings and if it doesn't work, I'm screwed. But if it doesn't work, you're screwed too. And you're going to be out of a job. So yeah. you've got to know that, you know, upfront and, you know, and I've been so lucky that the employees that we have, they understand that they understand our mission. They know what we stand for and they still want to come in and, and work with me. And I'm so blessed to have the opportunity to work with them um, because they're just they're the great greatest group of people. Um, but it's definitely it's it's really, really hard sometimes, you know, and, you know, there's always that doubt is what if it doesn't work, <laughs> you know, and. You know, and just to be, you know, and then to finally realize that it's okay if it doesn't work, you know, you'll, you'll figure it out. But um, luckily, you know, we've, we've come out on top so far with some of the, the huge mistakes that I've made. We've been able to fix them and, and pivot quickly enough. And speaking of employees and, and, you know, that topic, there's a theory that, you know, 
um, the success of a company is not based on who you hire, but who you don't fire. Um, in your, you know, in your short journey, uh, short but powerful journey, have you hit that yet where you had to let people go that you could Absolutely. see this isn't going to work? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've had two employees that I, I tried out and they didn't work. And, you know, it was the same thing. You know, I, you try and try and try. You know, I always give everybody three chances, mm -hmm. you know, because everybody's got their own story behind the choices that they make and the decisions that they make. Sure. And I try not to, you know, always think that I'm right in every decision I make mm -hmm. because I've been wrong a lot of times. I'm, I'm wrong about, a, you know, almost everything every day. So, um, you know, I want to make sure that I give everybody a chance, but um, absolutely, you know, if it doesn't work out and they're not the right fit, you got to let them go right. because they can bring everything else down. Has COVID, quarantine, you know, social distancing, has that changed, being a small business, has that changed your, you, your employees work dynamic? And do you see that going back to the way it was or continuing when things go back to normal? Basically talking about like remote working, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so um, it has changed things slightly, um, but we're an essential business, so we were never shut down. Um, we did always take the stance from day one though. Um, we did shut down for two weeks, just, you know, in the beginning in March, you know, when everything was kind of like new and fresh, we were like, ah, you know, give it a couple of weeks, it's gonna blow over and everything's gonna be fine. Um, so we gave everybody two weeks off with pay. But during that time, I assured them that no matter what happens, you will continue to get a paycheck, whether or not you come to work, whether or not you get sick, whether or not a family member gets sick and you have to stay home, you will still receive your full pay and full benefits until we figure all of this out. Um, so at least we can give them that little bit of security. Um, but then after we shut down for those two weeks, we had realized during that time, well, this is, this is gonna happen for a while and we've gotta figure this out. So we did cut back production to four days a week instead of five. Um, and we still allowed everybody the full full pay just to come in and work four times or four days a week. Um, but we have to continue production because we're a food company and mm -hmm. we are seeing spikes in sales with some of our retailers and some of our regions. But on the opposite side of that, we're seeing spikes in the need for donations. So even though we're selling a lot more and we're growing rapidly, um, we are not increasing our profitability. We're still continuing to stay true. You keep what you need to survive and everything else gets pushed out the door. Um, so we've been making donations to food banks that we've never donated to before, you know, in, in different states. And we were able to support the school nutrition programs for New York state schools because New York state schools and in schools across the U.S. were still providing lunches and breakfasts for the kids, even though they weren't in school. Right. Mm -hmm. And they needed more food because they didn't have the budget coming in. People weren't buying their school lunches anymore, but they still needed to provide food. So we were able to make huge donations there and do matching programs. You buy a pallet, we give you two pallets. Sure. You know, we kind of got creative where we were still able to increase donations without putting ourselves out of business. Wow, I bet you, you have a love-hate relationship with your accountant, don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one thing that I wanted to note too, before we leave, we have a few more minutes here, but uh, Michelle is one of our panelists at uh, Noble 2020 2.0, which just got moved to April 8th. So super excited to have you there and have everyone else learning um, more about what you've learned over the past um, three or four years or so. So that'll be that'll be super exciting. Um, 
But before you guys, have any other questions you want to chop in before we? I was just, I guess you could summarize this probably, and I'll, I'll just ask one. You can give us a quick summary. So I'm thinking like new products. Uh, will there be an organic line? Things about, and what are you excited about next? Like what's next? That's on the horizon. Oh, so many things are next. I'm so excited. Um, I actually, I, I own two companies. So Perfect Granola is our granola and granola bar manufacturer. Um, I also started a company in 2018 called Perfect Foods and Manufacturing. So that's the manufacturing arm. Um, so we produce our own single serve allergy free line of granola products for food service. Um, completely brand new equipment that I designed myself. We put it into a Feeding America food bank and we produce it there with our own staff. Um, that's our production staff there. And we do that that way so then we can create a revenue stream for Feeding America that's consistent. And we are also working on expanding a workforce development training program for adults living in poverty and adults that were previously incarcerated. So we want to expand that. It was our pilot program. We started it in September. We're giving it a year just to see like, is this actually a sustainable model? Can we do this in a Feeding America food bank? And can we provide jobs to people that really need it? Um, it's proving to be yes on all of those. So we will be looking to expand that model into other food banks across. We're going to start with New York. Um, we've got a couple of other Feeding America food banks here. There's one in Buffalo and one in Syracuse. Um, so we're, we'll see if we can expand it to that. And then um, we're looking to do more manufacturing. Um, we've got a couple of trademarks and new products already developed. Um, so we're ready to actually start producing those and go to market. We're just looking for investments in a building to be able to do that um, and just kind of expand on what we're doing. Awesome. Fantastic. Have you, uh, this is sort of off, off the record and off topic, but uh, have you had any reach out with like Tony Robbins or his team and the involvement they have in Feeding America and seeing if there's any anything connection wise and linking with that group of people because they're like I have not no that'd be it's something super to, interesting something to, do. to look into just cause, you know you're all about the cold call but he just did a massive massive campaign with Feeding America and uh, he's super super passionate about that so maybe because of your mission a cold call might get you someplace that you know who knows. Yeah. Yeah, who the knows? Tony Robbins crew. It's worth trying. Right? <laughs> Actually, I have one more um, kind of question conversation I think is really important um, that I wish I asked earlier. But so you're going to be speaking on women in entrepreneurship at our event. Um, you are, are a single founder of a company, obviously women owned. And you did mention earlier that women only get 2.5%. So, 2.8 was the statistic last year. Venture capital. Yeah. So um, we live in an, in an era where, you know, empowerment of any minority is, is being shifted or has the ability to be shifted. Social media is allowing people to speak out, people to support. Obviously, there's always suppression here and there, but we live in a time when change can really, really happen. And um, people like you are a driving force behind that. Can you give... One, two, three, five, ten, whatever tips you want to other young women, older women, any women who who either want to further their career, want to start a business, like where do they go knowing that there's maybe a less of a chance to get funding, less of a chance to get a promotion, at least currently in today's, you know, climate? What are some tips that you give them? Yeah, the tips are just go everywhere. Ask everyone. You know, I actually, I, I had the opportunity to sit down with lunch um, with Padma Lashmi. 
And one of the huge tips that and takeaways from that lunch was she said, talk to the people in the room, tell them anything they need to hear to get that check. Once you have that check, go out, spend it the way that you want, as long as there's going to be a return for that investor. But you've got to ask everybody and not be afraid of rejection um, because you're going to get it, you know, and, and you will get a couple of yeses along the way, but you are going to get people that say no. Um, in fact, two times um, I had sat um, down for coffee with an investor, two different occasions, um, pretty much the same response from both of them. And they were white men in their, you know, upper sixties or so. And both of them told me, I can't invest in you because you're a mom and you will never put your company first. Holy and holy. I said, fair enough. I'm a mom. I'm never going to put my company above, above my kids. However, I'm going to teach my kids that a woman can do anything. Did you ask so, him if has he ever you know, birthed I, I a think, child? You know, you really <laughs> have to, you've got to be strong enough to take that rejection and to, and to know that sure. you're never really going to be as viewed as, you know, one of the guys because we're not. Um, but on the flip side of that, it's getting a little bit better because women and minorities are now at the table of investment. And if you think about it, people want to invest in things that look and feel like themselves. And if that table does not have women and minorities at it, chances are you're probably not going to get an investment. So you really have to make sure that, you know, once I'm in a position where I can invest, that I'm at that table and opening discussions and driving that force. Um, because we need more of it. We need more women and minorities leading the way and making investments in small business. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Michelle, um, thank you so much. You're officially my hero now. And I want to come for work for you, by the way. So next full-time job you have open. You got it. I know where to send it. I am it. a great sampler. Actually, we, we, might, we might all just shut down Noble and come work for I am you. a great sampler. <laughs> I'm great with people and with food. And I would love to do that one day just for fun. All right. While and my, you know what? I actually, I, I made a, a vow. My next person that I hire has to know technology. Oh. Because I do not understand technology and right. neither does anybody else that I've hired so far. Al's out. I'm out. <laughs> I, I understand it. I just screw it up a lot. Yeah. Else 50, 50. And you'll see why in a minute <laughs> when I explain to you what you might have to do over. <laughs> All right. Cheers to you, Michelle. To life, love, lots of laughter, and cookie crisp cereal, which was actually just chocolate chip cookies and milk for breakfast. Huge win. <laughs> Huge win. <laughs> Cheers, fellas. Yeah. Cheers. As always, folks, we are super appreciative to everyone who watches, uh, who listens. Remember, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you love to consume your content. We are there. So thank you so much and cheers to life and business. May you prosper in both.